Welcome to Season 4 of the Canon Podcast. My name is Alex. Journey with me as we explore the walking out of our faith and worship in the culture that we live in. Okay, let's do this. I spent my first 40 years with an inkling that there was something more. I didn't find it in money or career or people or even material possessions. I really felt like I'd spent 40 years walking away. No, it was much more like running away as fast as I could. It wasn't until I found the good news of the gospel in my early 40s that I realised that I wasn't seeking truth as much as I was seeking pleasure. Faith, finding me, has changed everything. I've got 40 years of catch-up. Journey with me as we dig deep into culture, faith and worship. Okay, let's go. The Canon Podcast is a work in progress. We're exploring and discerning how to best use this podcast medium to share the good news of Jesus and at the same time have something to say that helps us all to become better disciples. In this season of the canon, we're going to follow along as we walk with Jesus through the eyes of Matthew. Now, you can really help us out by tuning in and getting involved just by liking, sharing and leaving us a comment. Interacting with us in this way makes all all the difference in our ability to reach more people with the good news of the gospel. And of course, it's totally free. So go ahead and help us out. Today we're talking about what do you mean prepare the way? Prepare the way. So we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 3. Okay, the book of Matthew chapter 3, where uh, John the Baptist is is preparing the way for the Lord, preparing the way for Jesus. So we're going to be talking about that today. What does it mean? And I think about what does it mean to prepare the way? Now, you know, how does that sort of translate? I'm mean, thinking of this, how does that translate into into my life? And I think, well, at a kind of a, a household level, perhaps um, after, you know, uh, lockdown, uh, my parents will come to visit. So I'll need to prepare the way or prepare the house or make things ready for their arrival. But you might think, back to, you know, maybe there's a head of state uh, uh, coming uh, for a visit, might be the president or the prime minister or, or a monarch, and uh, a country or a town will typically prepare the way, uh, make, make, make the way so that, uh, uh, that, that that person can come and uh, have their visit in safety and often in comfort and so on. So when I think about preparing the way, these are the sorts of things that I'm thinking about. And I think in this case, we're not talking about uh, a friend or a family member. We're not talking about uh, even a monarch or at least an earthly or a worldly monarch. We're actually talking about preparing the way for God himself to, to be injected into the world as one of us, as a human, uh, as a man, as the man Jesus. So today we're going to be talking about preparing the way and we're going to be looking at Matthew 3. Um, so... What do you mean prepare the way? Who do you prepare it for? What do you do in order to prepare it? And what what changes do we need to make in ourselves in order to be ready uh, for when Jesus does in, indeed come or return? So what does it mean to prepare the way? So that's what we're going to talk about today. What do you mean prepare the way? I wonder what what sort of images that conjures up for you immediately when you're thinking about um, creating a way, a way forward. Um, as I said, what does, that, what does that mean in terms of making a pathway or a journey? We are in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 3, John the Baptist prepares the way. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, 
the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God's able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. It's such a powerful passage, and what I wanted to do, because right at the beginning, um, John says, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. This is from Isaiah 40, chapter 3. I thought I'd just read you the beginning of, of this um, uh, passage of Isaiah. So just get a bit of a context. So this is um, comfort for God's people, Isaiah 40. I'll read from 1 uh, until 5, which is sort of uh, encompassing either side of um, what John is saying in, uh, in Matthew. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places are plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So that's Isaiah 40, um, which is being uh, quoted here in in, uh, in Matthew as John's words, uh, repeating or perhaps um, quoting from the Old Testament, which which the which the uh, Jews of that day knew intimately, um, much better than we perhaps do now, unfortunately. But and I've heard, I don't know whether you've come across uh, the Bible Project, Tim Mackey. Um, it's worth looking up. They do you know, a number of videos and, and podcasts and things that uh, are, are unpacking different parts of the Bible. And he would describe, describe, himself, as a, describe himself rather as a Bible nerd. Um, and uh, and he, he kind of talks about these as hyperlinks, which is kind of modern language, isn't it? If you think about a, a PDF document or perhaps even a website, um, wherever you can click, it will take you to another page. So I think the idea of a hyperlink here is that um, John is saying, or John is quoting Isaiah, um, for us, we need to click on that hyperlink and go to where it's coming from. And when you when you think about the beginning, uh, the top and the tail of that um, those three lines, we can see perhaps a little bit of what he's saying, that the Lord is saying that um, uh, we are pre- preparing a path for the Lord, making it straight, leveling mountains even to make the Lord come. And it's coming, from, he's speaking this into into. Um, 
into into truth, if you like. So my suggestion is whenever you see one of those sort of hyperlinks, uh, as the Bible Project calls them, uh, I just encourage you to go back and, and read uh, read those again in, in the original part of the Bible. In that case, Isaiah 40 uh, verse 3 is where John is, uh, is quoting from. So what is John really talking about when he's saying prepare the way uh, for the Lord. It's, it's interesting. John's one of, the, one of those fascinating characters in the Bible. Um, you may even remember that when Mary, Jesus' mother, while pregnant, goes to visit uh, her, her cousin Elizabeth, I think it was her cousin Elizabeth, who is pregnant with John. And they've had these kind of parallel angelic um, encounters where an angel has come and said, you, you know, you will have a, you will have a child, um, you'll have a son, and this is what you'll call him. And uh, the angel says to Elizabeth, you're going to have a son, you're going to call him John. And the angel says to Joseph and Mary, you're going to have a son, you're going to call him Jesus. And th- these two parallel characters, but of course we've got John, seems to arrive in the story first anyway. But he's a very odd kind of a character, isn't he? Because he's out there in a camel's hair, <laughs> a camel's hair uh, garment of some sort, eating locusts and wild honey. So you got this kind of picture of a crazy, bit of a crazy man. He's out there in the wilderness and he's baptizing people by the River, River Jordan. So you've got this really interesting character who's related to Jesus. Both uh, women are pregnant at the same time. Um, and here is John baptizing uh, for the repentance of sins. And he's saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, what does that mean? It seems to be saying that something is about to happen. Some, something or someone is coming that is, going, that is going to invoke or bring about change. And remember the Jews had been waiting for a long time for the promised Messiah, hoping to be delivered out of uh, the Roman captivity. Here is John um, baptizing people in the River Jordan um, and saying that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, uh, and then he goes and he quotes that of Isaiah 43, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. So Isaiah is really saying that it's talking about John, saying that John is the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make his path straight. So you've got this crazy guy in camel hair. I can't even imagine what camel's hair. I mean, you know, I, I had a, I remember there was a teacher at high school who used to wear uh, some kind of mohair jumper and, and, and it was very fluffy. It had a lot of kind of woolly bits and it seemed to be very scratchy. So I can't imagine um, that a camel hair outfit would be particularly comfortable. Um, perhaps uh, if, if you've got a different version of it being a really great thing to make clothes out of, I'd, I'd be really curious to hear, hear about that. But what kind of completes the picture is out in the wilderness and he's, he's doing what's necessary in a sense. He's surviving on whatever, by the sounds of it, he can get um, from locusts and wild honey. And what's interesting is that people are being drawn to him. He has his own disciples. We know that because elsewhere in the story, go, he sends his disciples to actually speak to Jesus. Um, but So people are from Jerusalem and all of Judea and that whole region. It says very clearly, all of the region are coming to him uh, in order to be baptized by him in the river Jordan and to confess their sins. And of course, confessing their sins in itself is something that would have been familiar to the, to the Jews, um, but it was something they typically did um, 
uh, once you. So I wonder whether there's something happening here where John is bringing, trying to bring this idea that the kingdom of God is coming. There's an imminence to it. We need to be repenting. We need to be being baptized in preparation for the one who is coming. And of course, he goes on to say that. But what's really interesting is that the Pharisees and the Sadducees come come to the river. And boy, doesn't John uh, call them out. He says, you brood of vipers. And, you know, we, we as Christians looking, looking back and looking into the New Testament, we perhaps very easily get a, a kind of a pretty negative view of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were the kind of the religious uh, rulers of the day, and they had both uh, religious power, but they also had some degree of uh, political power in Rome or in, in, uh, in Israel and in Jerusalem. So... Here they come, and, and John is really call, call, calling them out, and uh, you brood of vipers. Now, I don't know whether that sounds like a particularly kind of uh, a terrible thing to say to somebody these days, but I imagine um, it would have been uh, back then. And he's saying to them, really, you know, if you're coming to me um, to, to kind of have just have a look-see or to see what I'm doing, you're coming with a hypocritical heart. Uh, if you're coming not seeking to repent... Um, and it, with a presumption that because you are part of the part of the Jewish community, perhaps even a highly uh, recognised and uh, reputable part of the uh, Jewish religious community, that alone is is not, according to John, enough to enter the kingdom of heaven. So he's saying to them, uh, "Do not presume." And I think this is important to us. Should we better, we better be a little bit careful that when we are preparing the way, that we're not making too many presumptions about our own goodness, our own ability to do the work necessary to find ourselves in heaven. Rather, he's saying, no, you need to be careful that when you when you come to the Lord, when you come to make a way, you come with repentance in your heart. You come to confess your sins in preparation for the Lord. So not to presume that because we are already or automatically or born into a particular group um, that we are automatically going to be uh, adopted or as heirs into that kingdom. Rather, we need to be able to um, come to that point of repentance for our own sin. That's really important. So I think in a sense, although he's calling out the Sadducees and the Pharisees, we need to be mindful. Uh, as, as Jesus says, you know, um, before you have a go at someone else, have a look in the mirror, take the plank out of your own eye first. So I think it's worth just looking internally saying, are we ready to prepare, to prepare the way for the Lord by having repentance in our own heart? Or are we just kind of going with the flow? Perhaps we are um, living off our, our, our parents' uh, faith, or perhaps we are, um, we've made a faith commitment, but we haven't uh, continued to live strongly as reflections of Jesus. So we've got to be a little bit mindful um, that perhaps John is calling us out uh, also, because he says here that God is able to raise up um, children of Abraham, even from the stones, which is, um, that, that sounds like an insult to me. So here, here are the Sadducees, and the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the religious uh, leaders and rulers of the day. And here John is saying, well, it's not just because you're born into this. Um, even God can create followers of Abraham from these stones. So this re- idea of repentance in, in, in preparing the way is absolutely critical. And I love where he goes next because there's an, a lot of a lot of times where Jesus himself talks about the par- parables that involve uh, trees and seeds and sowing and weeds and chaff and threshing floors uh, and burning chaff with fire. And this is one where John really is already preempting that. And he says that uh, the the axe is laid to the root of the trees. 
In other words, the axe is ready, if not already starting to, to cut the root of the trees that do not bear good fruit. Because, because a, a tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And this is important because when we think about uh, what Jesus says about it, it makes a similar kind of a, a, a comment also in Matthew, Matthew seven fifteen uh, to 20. He says, watch out for false prophets. Is Jesus talking? They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Uh, but by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So I think John is already saying that to the Sadducees and the Pharisees. By your fruit, you are being recognized. And Jesus echoes that also. And then later in Matthew, Matthew 12, 37, he says, Make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruits. And this is important, isn't it? Because later on we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. What what do we as, as Christians, by way of making a way for God into our own lives, how do we how do we show to the community that it's not by works, it's not by doing things, but it's by the fruits of the Spirit. So we try and find ourselves in a way that where through through Jesus, through God, and through faith in Him, we are reborn, if you like, as as new trees, as good trees that produce good fruit. And Jesus uses this example often, um, and then he continues on. John says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than that, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. And you've got to remember, in those days, you know, I imagine open, kind of an open sandal, perhaps made of leather or something similar, um, dirty, dusty, muddy, um, animals and animal droppings on the road. You know, he's not worthy to even pick down and, 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 and carry those filthy slippers of the one who is to come. And, uh, of course, we know that's going to be Jesus. So Jesus, so John is elevating Jesus and putting himself in, in the place that he sees right, which is one who can baptize in water for the, for the repentance of sin as a way of preparing the way for the God that he know, knows is coming. And he says, Then he, the one that is coming, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Well, there's really a lot of there's a lot of warnings in this passage, isn't it, about how to behave and how not to behave and how to prepare the way and how not to prepare the way, and and preparing the way feels to me more like it's a it's a preparation of the heart than it is a preparation of anything physical. He's not saying to us that we need to prepare, prepare our house as I would for my 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 parents are coming to stay. Uh, he's not even saying prepare the royal uh, throne room or, or the, get the red carpet out for a celebrity or or a monarch. He's really saying that in preparation for the God of the universe to come, for Jesus to come, we need to be preparing the way by getting our hearts straight, being prepared and, and understanding of our own sin and ready to repent, ready to change our course. Because you've got to remember, repentance 
is a funny kind of a word. It's an old-fashioned word. We don't really use it outside. I don't think of this of this meaning, but it really just means to stop and change and, and change direction. So if I'm loving my sin and I'm moving in that path, repentance is about saying, "No, I'm not going that way anymore. I'm t- I'm I'm stopping. I'm turning. I'm changing course, and I'm pr- I'm following the way that Jesus, that God has laid out for me." And when I was thinking about this also, because you got this idea of uh, of a bad tree produces bad fruit and needs to be cut down, you've got this idea of uh, wheat uh, and 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 grain and weeds and chaff all being mixed together as part of the as part of the harvest, and uh, he's including us in that harvest, of course. And he says his winnowing fork is in his hand. So what's a winnowing fork? And I think this is really important because this is part of preparing the way. Well, I didn't know what this word winnowing uh, was until I looked it up. Have you heard of this word winnowing before? It means to effectively to blow, for a wind to blow through. So a winning, winnowing fork, and you may have seen this, uh, it's an old-fashioned technique of separating the chaff from the grain. So the grain is heavy and the chaff is light. Uh, the grain is what they want, the chaff is what they want to discard. So this is a picture of Jesus having his winnowing fork. You can imagine scooping up everything, it's kind of like a big pitchfork and flipping it up into the air. So literally, the air or the wind <laughs> or the Holy Spirit, if you like, which is often thought of as part of that, you know, like wind, blows the chaff away. The light stuff is flow, is blown away and it's the grain, the useful stuff that is then collected on the floor. And that chaff is blown away or is collected and then is burnt in an unquenchable fire. So this is a really strong rebuke to the Sadducees and the Pharisees. It's a real reminder that when we are preparing the way for Jesus into our own lives, that we need to come with a heart that is open to repentance. We need to be a tree that is producing good fruit. And that's... That's what's the I'm trying to find a word that that is not too harsh, but it really is a warning in a sense because it says on the one hand that the good tree produces the good fruit. It says on the other hand that the bad tree produces the bad fruit and the axe is ready to chop it down. He says that the winnowing fork is there to separate the chaff, the weeds, the rubbish from the grain, the good grain that is... Uh, right and ready for the Lord. So it's a it's a it's a bit of a wake up call, and John is really pushing the Pharisees and the Sadducees pretty hard, and I can imagine that he's pre- he's pressing in pretty hard on even those who are coming to be baptized. So when we come to be baptized, when we come to be baptized, even in the Spirit, it's really important that we come with a heart that is right, with a with a, with, with with fruits of the Spirit that are ripe. Um, for Jesus. So when we prepare the way for him to come into our own lives, we don't come with perfection. We don't wait until we've got things right. In fact, we come with all of our sin. We come with everything that is wrong with us. We come with an acknowledgement that we are not perfect. We are not right with God. But we come with an open heart that is ready and prepared for repentance. To lay that sin on the line. To be ready to be, to ready to be, in a sense, to, 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 to die and to be buried in the water of baptism and to be reborn through the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. 
think that's what it means to prepare the way. It's not about preparing a physical path. It's at least in part a part about um, preparing ourselves, making sure that our hearts are ready for repentance. And that's not something we, we do once and then we don't do it again. We need to continue to grow good fruit throughout our life. And by that fruit we shall be known. And I think that's incredibly important. For as he says, he will gather, the, gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff will burn with unquenchable fire. So what does that mean for us? Well, I think it means that when we are preparing the way, we are preparing the way uh, in our own hearts to accept Jesus as God, as Lord, as Saviour. And we, ne- we can only really do that by being open to change, to stopping in our tracks, to stop being the Lord of our own lives and to give ourselves up to Jesus, to be ready to be uh, to dead to sin, ready to be buried in the water of baptism and ready to be awakened to new life through the Holy Spirit and through God himself and his son, Jesus. It's a challenging picture, but it's an incredibly positive message. And we've got to make that choice. Where do we want to, where do we want to be? Do we want to produce good fruit? Then we've got to be ready to make the change that is necessary. And it's not change that we can make ourselves. We can only do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. But we've got to be ready and turn up um, to be um, receptive to that gift of grace that Jesus is giving to us, is offering to us. And there's John eating the locusts and the wild honey out in the wilderness doing what he needs to survive, wearing the camel hair, whatever that means. Uncomfortable clothing is the picture I'm getting. And out in the wilderness, uh, presenting himself to God and, 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 and encouraging others to come and, and, and to be baptized uh, for the repentance of their sins and to prepare the way for the coming Messiah. And of course, in the next part of, the, um, of Matthew, Jesus himself comes um, to be baptized by John, and it's really at that point where we really see for the first time that uh, God descends on his son Jesus and says, this is my son uh, who, who I am truly pleased. But we'll get into that next week. For now, I want you to think, what does it mean to prepare the way? How do you prepare a way? And does it happen externally to you or does it happen in a heart sense? I'm going to suggest that it happens in a heart sense. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Canon Podcast. We look forward to speaking with you again next time. Until then, God bless you and bye for now. Mm-hmm.